Hello folks. Welcome to the show that says turmeric is not spicy. Welcome to Not Your Normal Curry. Today we ask the question, how can black lives matter if the society is ruled by rich white men? Essentially, what we are asking is does our life matter? About me, I'm Anandu and I am your host, The Curry Head. Today we're going to talk to someone who is really close to me. He's a chef He's a great human being and my amazing friend Joe Lusincor. Hi Joe, how's it going? Very good in yourself. I'm good. Thanks for asking, bro. So, I just hinted about what you are to the public. So, tell us a bit about yourself. Well, I'm an uh, immigrant. I've came to Canada when I was 6 uh, years old, so 28 years ago. I'm a chef. Uh, I own my catering business, so I'm an entrepreneur. So I've been living in Montreal for 28 years. So uh, it's it's been a long time, and in those years, I've seen a lot of things. Uh, some things in particular that we're gonna talk about today. 28 years. That is, uh, there's a really long time. And are you 28? I'm not even 28. <laughs> okay, so. <laughs> I'm just 26 so yeah you weren't born when I was <laughs> Exactly uh, so speaking about like uh, where you were from like I was born in India as you know about it like I was born in India and I only came to Canada when I was uh, 21 years old Right now I'm still in my 20s and I'm trying to integrate to the Quebec society as an immigrant as a working class man I would say that Just like me you are also an immigrant who was born in Haiti migrated here when you were a kid so tell us about your experience how how it was like or how it was like growing up in a place which is entirely different from the country we were born in Okay for me it was like the twilight zone uh, when I came here on every level uh, I saw snow for the first time in my life when I came here because I came here on January 92, I think. First of all, if I um let me give you a funny story if I may. When I came here it was winter. Uh and winters 28 years ago were colder than the ones now. And when I got out of the airport, I threw the worst tantrum. I was screaming, crying, the worst tantrum ever and I experienced cold for the first time, snow for the first time and I wasn't ready for it. And I was basically cr- screaming at the, at the top of my lung. I want to go back to Haiti. I want to go back to Haiti. I I, I don't want to stay here. So that's the funny story about uh my first experience and um even if uh Haiti has a lot of people from other ethnicities, I I've been experiencing that much of white people before coming here so that was a change. Um and going to school, having to learn um the language because in Haiti uh we speak French. So I started to learn it a little bit over there but I s- still spoke Creole. But here there's no Creole in school so you have to really speak French. So that's that was another uh thing that I have to get uh used to. Uh so I definitely saw the good, the bad and the ugly. I saw the ugly when I was in school. My first experience um the first time I have experienced racism was when a little girl spit on me. 
um, on the schoolyard. And I was shocked by then. I, I wasn't even mad. I was, I, I remember being more shocked than anything else because I wasn't raised this way. Uh, I was not raised like that to do such things. So I couldn't understand wh- why someone would do that to me. Why did I do to you for you to do such thing to me? And 28 years later, I'm still asking the same question, but for different reason. Like, why or why as black people, brown people, we are experienced those things? Why have we done to deserve that? So, yeah, so that's for my experience and uh, for the first time. Transition is always a really difficult process. And obviously, as a colored person, we do experience the worst things possible, if I would say that. Yes, man. So... Let's talk about like life in Quebec. You you do know that my girlfriend is a Quebecois. Yes. She's a white Quebecois, and uh, I'm a brown person, so we do have like a mixed relationship. However, it's a it's a big challenge even in this day and age. I always talk to my girlfriend that one day I would make this uh, this big chain of South Indian restaurants, which I would probably name as Not Your Normal Curry, the name of my podcast. That's dope. That's perfect. Thank you. And. I look at you and you are a black entrepreneur in a catering business who is an immigrant, so you are an inspiration to me. In Quebec society, how is it like to be a color person who is an entrepreneur? Um, I can only speak for the field that I'm in. I cannot speak for other uh, field. Um, the main thing that I've noticed is you seem to be put into a box. Um, example, I'm from Haiti. I'm the Haitian chef. I cook Haitian food. Why couldn't I just be a chef or cook food? The the label doesn't um, upset me because I'm proud of who I am. But it's mostly why does it always have to be that everywhere I go. So there's basically people trying to box you in. And the other thing too is certain stereotype that i've um, encountered like me wanting to rent um, like a space the stereotype or oh black guys it's gonna be trouble it's gonna be um gangs and stuff parties not paying rent on time which i find stupid because why do you why is that the first things you think when you think of me or, or any black people, you know? So these are the two major uh, difficulties, if I could say, that I find as being a, a black entrepreneur in Montreal. Thank you for sharing your wisdom. And uh, as you do know that our listeners are mostly like uh, young people, like mostly millennials or Gen Z, if I could say that also. And like myself, I'm also a millennial. Our future, the future of the millennials and the young people are controlled by these so-called baby boomers and their decision on economy, real estate or anything, it affects us. And historically, baby boomers haven't been much kinder to much um, younger people or young public, especially people of color. So. Talking about the wealth distribution in Quebec and Canada and also like uh, neighborhoods, uh, do you think that first, there is an unequal distribution of wealth in Quebec? Second, are there neighborhoods segregated in Quebec 
just like we see in US? Yes, certainly there is uh, an unequal distribution of wealth uh, in Quebec, like like everywhere else. To have people at the bottom uh, assured that they stay on top, that's the reality, in my opinion. Uh, and as far as the segregated neighborhood, absolutely. So yes, we definitely saw it during the first wave of the COVID uh, in Montreal North. So there's definitely segregated neighborhoods in the in the city, Montreal North, which is uh, one of the poorest district in the country. the me- uh, The median income is twenty three thousand four hundred and twelve dollars, and the unemployment rate is between three three and five points higher than the rest of the island. And we also saw how um, the people in Montreal North didn't uh, have the proper uh, measures for them at that time. So that's a prime example of segregation in the city. And another example, sorry brother, uh, during the that same first wave, um, when it, was, it got really bad, they were recruiting in a not so in an unusual way workers to go work at nursing homes uh, but weren't provided the proper security or protection that again tells you a lot about a society if um, because let's be honest a lot of people didn't want to work in that field because it's uh, very at risk so who they went and got uh people from that neighborhood and on top of it they didn't provide the proper protection or uh safe measure so again that's another example so uh if i would say i could say that the uh, the people of color were not provided the same infrastructure no, as the white people or the other communities in the society no. And also, let's say when we uh, travel across Montreal, let's say if we travel from the uh, the the east of Montreal to the west of Montreal, we could see that in the east and also in the north, there's like all these black and colored communities who are like really poor. And also in the west, it's mostly gated communities with white people who are like rich white families hoarding up wealth. Now let's talk about something that we have all faced uh, at least once in a lifetime. Racial aggression. I have faced racial aggression multiple times at airports, inside the city of Montreal, inside Quebec, inside Canada, and so on. Let me tell you a small experience that I faced. I shared an experience last time with my audience about Uh, me being picked on by all these young white folks who are Quebecers who saw me as this threat towards this culture and society. And also I have been picked on by the security agents inside the airport who actually asked me to remove my remove my belt, remove my shoes. They called it random inspection. And they only did this to certain people, for example, like myself and one of my friends, he had to face this. However, 
when we looked around we saw a bunch of white people and none of them had to go through these humiliating experience so tell me about your experience have you been subjected to racial aggression or essentially racism yes of course as a black man uh it seems that you cannot drive a nice car uh if you do you're considered suspect um it, it's never a an idea for them that you work hard to get that nice car you work uh an honest job you're an honest man you're a good man it always have to be black guy in a nice car oh something's up and um although i didn't face that exact situation i've been in a situation where cops were harassing me i've been in a situation where among a group of people i am the one who they decided to do a search on so definitely um I, i've been through that and i think as a collective the best thing we can do for that is to have each other's back more and i was setting an example the other day i was at the metro station and four cops stopped a teenager a black teenager and to me it seems like they had no reason to do it so i stood there the whole time with my phone filming cuz i don't know what's happening there are four big guys on the on this little boy so i didn't want something to happen and not have any footage to be able to for him to have a to defend himself so i stood there and filmed the whole thing and i made sure uh he was good before i left and once they let him go that's when i left and i was not going to leave until they let him go cuz you never know what can happen all of a sudden they can say oh i feared for my life right you guys are four cops on a teenager tiny little guy you guys are four big guys and then the excuses oh i feared for my life nah so i just wanted to make sure that my brother was good and then i left so that's something i I feel as um a group of people that are going through this thing that we could do for each other. We should we should uh, stick stick up for each other, be uh, each other's guard, be on each other's guard and be uh comrades to each other for yes, sure. Yes, yes, absolutely. So let's see let's look at the current affairs right now. Uh we all saw this uh, election in US and we saw uh Joe Biden being elected but at the same time we saw during this last president's reign we saw this president who praises uh, anti-immigrant rhetoric pro-white personalities and everything although there's this one thing that we didn't focus on which is the growth of this so-called right-wing alt-right anti-immigrant nationalist movement in US And fun fact it's that uh, it does have a ripple effect in Canada as well according to my in my opinion Canada being a country with a big trouble history has always stayed away from radical right wing hypocrisy or extremism but because of the so called uh, right wing movement that is happening in US and because of Trump these people these anti immigrant people are becoming more and more radically charged in Canada also. What are your thoughts on what's happening right now like with this? Uh it doesn't surprise me at all. Uh 
I'm concerned but not surprised and um, we tend to think that Canada doesn't have a history of racism but it does um, but you have to dig and look for that information it's not as out there as what happened in the US for for uh, for an example in Halifax you have the, um, this community um, Africville which is a f R-I-C-Ville, V-I-L-L-E. You guys could research that, but that's a prime example of the not-so-good history of Canada when it comes to immigrants, uh, black people. So that doesn't surprise me at all. It's just a, a Canada has this image that we all have in our head that is perfect, is good, and in and, and, and some ways it's better than our neighbors but there's some stuff that happened here also that we should know so there's this whole situation um not situation but there's this whole uh thing that happened with africville and halifax so you you guys can look that up for sure and to make a long story short in africville what happened part of what happened is uh, when they saw the numbers of black people were growing too fast, they basically decided to isolate them out of the city to the outskirts, if I could say it like this. Yes. And they denied them, denied them access to basics like clean water, sewage, um, and all the basic stuff that you need to function. So that's a very in, in interesting story that you guys should uh, look up. That's true. We actually could see a lot of things that is racially charged in Canada. For example, with the indigenous people, what they're facing every single day. Even after all these years of oppression, they still face challenges in front of them from the government or from the uh, communities. Everything they are, they're actually labeled as this community of drug abusers or community of uh, people who just get welfare from the government and do nothing else this is a big big issue in canada even if yes canada is way better than us but there's there's a lot of introspection that should be done mm -hmm. the only thing that i think it's uh, starting to be this big wall between racism and society it's black lives matter movement it does fight for basic human rights and uh, now let's talk more about racial equity let's say and for that we have to talk about black lives matter this movement is an inspiration for all of us me you all the people who are young old black brown of any color or creed from anywhere around the world and I believe that it would bring this big change to society and that change it's happening right now at this very moment tell me how do you feel living through these historic times it's very exciting because up until now I only saw certain things in old footage like the million men march and the protests in the US during the segregation era da. um so to to kind of live something similar i would say it's very exciting 
That's perfect. And also what I could see is that uh, I, it's, I think it's just me or something, but I do see a revolution coming. Um, that I think only time will tell because to me personally, there'll truly be a revolution when there are going to be a shift in the powers. When you're going to see more people of color and higher position in the government when we are going to be represented more when there'll be a equal distribution of wealth when there'll be no segregated country um neighborhoods when you have someone going to a hospital and not left there to die like that poor indigenous woman who died a couple of weeks ago so uh, it, it's a it's a good start uh, we're we're doing good. We sh uh, should should we do more? I think so. Should we keep on fighting? Absolutely. But I think it's not there yet. It's gonna take more. But it's a good start. But I feel we will really be in a revolution when there's gonna be a shift, and the shift hasn't happened yet. A shift where um, we're not gonna have to do a whole lot to defund the police. How, how come it's not defunded yet? Uh, there's a hypocrisy there. So I think that's when I'm gonna be like, okay, the revolution is starting. Also, when real issues are, are gonna be a knowledge, because it seems like, example, people being harassed, beaten, killed by the police, it's been going on for a while and there is still no really proper repercussion because the reason why they still keep on doing it because there's no real consequences example you have this cop that uh, beat a young kid in toronto i think and that kid only have an eye a, f a functional eye now i think this cop only got something like 22 months in prison so you have a kid on the other hand who lost an eye will never who, <laughs> who lost an eye and then all he gets is 22 months something in right so. for me yeah that does sound concerning and also it it also has to be done by the people at the top obviously we don't have that many elected officials who are i would say people of person of color that's what i was saying when there is a shift when there'll be a shift there, then I think we will start to see uh, more change because uh, how can we expect the people on top to be for us when they don't understand our struggle? They don't understand us. They don't care about us. They, most of them are rich, pri uh, privileged white men. Like example, Francois Legault, when he said uh, systemic racism is not a thing i'm like i wasn't mad because i didn't expect uh something else f from him that coming from him was not surprising at all i was like you know what <laughs> he, he 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 only can relate to what he knows yeah. and if he doesn't do the effort to trying to be an on our shoes and understand us then he never will understand that us and uh and i i don't think he has any interest also so
That is true. And looking at Quebec and Canada, we have never had a prime minister in provincial or federal level who is a person of color. And the last time someone who ran for the office, Mr. Jagmeet Singh, he was... He's amazing. And he was unable to secure a place even though all his ideals were pretty damn good. What do you think about that? Like, Could it be that they only let him halfway or a little bit in to give us the illusion that we can aspire to achieve to certain position? I, I feel like sometimes they were playing with us. They'll be like, we'll take him that far just so they can have a little hope. But the powers will always be in our hands. That's how I felt about it. It's it's like playing with us. Because the, Jack Mead had everything to to, um, to prime be minister. prime minister. Every, everything. Yeah, that is true. And what I like about people of color as I often notice is, how can I s- illustrate that? The problem only seems to be in one way. Because a person of color in that position will care about everybody. Everybody, white, black, everybody. But on, on the other side of things is not the case. And that leads me to, I was seeing a documentary uh, that were made in the 70s in the United States in a neighborhood in Chicago where it was segregated. Um, and the black kids would bike to the white neighborhood and would get stone uh, um, rocks thrown at them, would get beaten and insulted and calling out their names and then a, a, a black kid said, but well, when the white kids come to our neighborhood, we, tr- we, we, we treat them good. We don't beat them. We don't uh, call them names. And that always stuck with me. I'm like, people want to make it seem that that's a universal problem. I'm starting to think that it's, it's not that universal because um, we're not the one and that have the power. We're not in a position of power, so... Yeah, and also, uh, yeah, that is so true. Uh, I actually saw that documentary also, uh, in that the black people, like, the kids, the kids were saying that uh, if you do the same to them, what are we? We are going to be just the same as the, yeah. uh, the, the kid who threw the stone at us. Exactly. And also, as you mentioned, that uh, François Legault, Monsieur François Legault, who is the Prime Minister of Quebec, he failed to acknowledge systemic racism and to push the envelope a bit further he denied that there is not even a trace of systemic racism in quebec what is your opinion on the authorities turning a blind eye towards uh, systemic racism and uh, not admitting the fact that they cannot see even a speck of systemic racism i think they see it but it's not in their best advantage to do something about it because we all know that for a group of people to be up, a gr- another group of people have to be down. And I think they see it, they know about it, because they hear it, it's on the news, is everywhere. And so, but I think they purposely choose to close their eyes on it because 
it's not in their benefits it's 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 uh, they're they're not interested by those issues because they don't understand us they don't uh and they're not interested in, in understanding all that matter is the power and to stay in a position in power that's how i feel about it and finally coming to the conclusion uh what are your last words on how the society is on your perspective and uh, what needs to change for the people of color there's a lot of us and we're here to stay and i think we can do this we absolutely can do it um and with the help of moving movements like black lives matters and other movements i think they can really help us uh on that path and um and can i say something else for sure uh earlier in the interview i told you an experience i had with um a kid spitting on me as a kid and my question then was why because my my question then was why because it's not something that seemed normal to me at home i wasn't raised at home i was raised to respect everybody um uh no matter the skin color uh men and women men or women their sexual orientation i was always taught to treat people right uh because we're all humans at the end of the day that's what i know so for someone to spit on me i was like do they see me less of a human and why and then later in life i asked myself the same question when i uh got more knowledge and i researched my history and what happened in the past i said what did we do to deserve all this and one thing i'd like to say that i said to my nephew the other day and i think if that was said to me as a young kid it would have helped what i would like to say to all we have parents listening to us or anybody um what 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 i said to my nephew was everything that has all the hate and uh, uh the hate and the animosity has nothing to do with you you didn't do anything wrong you're perfect you didn't do anything wrong that has nothing to do with you don't for one second think that uh you deserve this or you know i and i really had to tell my nephew this i said as a black man you're going to experience some things unfortunately that are going to break your heart make you cry or make you question but don't ever question your personality because that has nothing to do with you all the um if 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 hate is their burden that's on them but let's make love our condition we're conditioned to love we are love so that's what i would say love no matter what know your rights and you'll be fine that that's what i tell my nephew that's why i told him i'd had an honest conversation with him and i said the same thing to other black little boys and girls i said don't ever think you did anything wrong don't ever think that this is about you cuz it's cuz cuz it's not that has nothing to do with you 
a lot needs to change uh, for people of color. We've seen it that our lives don't matter, but we are a citizen, we pay taxes, we contribute to this society, so our lives should matter. Our, our safety should matter, our well-being sh should matter. If we go to hospital, we should have the same treatment as everybody else, and I'm talking about all minorities, black, brown, indigenous, everybody. So a lot has to change and um, yeah, a lot has to change because there seems to be two different worlds. There's the world and our world as minorities and especially black and indigenous people. And our world were getting beaten, killed, um, discriminated, uh, not taken care of, or voice don't matter. So until I can say things are moving in the right direction, I need to see some positive changes in our world. And um, even to be able to feel that we are part of this world. Because everything that has happened, we are, it seems like we're not part of it. We are outsiders, we don't matter, so until there, there's positive changes um, that, are, that we could see and feel and experience, I w won't be able to say that we're, mov we're moving in the right direction. And again, like I said earlier, uh, I will really feel that there'll be a change when there'll be a shift and on every level power, economy, and all these things. Indeed, there are two worlds. The world of privilege and then there's the world of minorities. Exactly, you said it best. However, it was really insightful. Thank you for sharing your experience and your perspective of the society. That's, that's a refreshing take on how a society works. And uh, thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me and I hope to be back next time. Always a pleasure. So, well, folks, thank you for joining me and Joe for this episode of Not Your Normal Curry. Remember that you can support us and our cause by subscribing to our podcast and putting spice on every single damn dish that you make. We are available on Apple, Spotify, Google, and all other major podcasting platforms. And remember, turmeric is never spicy. Put it a lot. I'm Anandu, and I'm your host, The Curry Head. Namaste, merci, thank you, a bientôt, goodbye.